All right, so this is season one, episode four of Money Talks, the podcast. I'm here with Becoming Financially Fit. My name is Stacey Blunt, and I'm here with my guest, Mariah Scott. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, so today we have some interesting things to talk about, right? We mm -hmm. have a, a full agenda, so I'm going to get straight into it, um, and I'm going to tell you guys how we met. Um, but actually, before I do that, uh, Money Talks, the podcast, and Becoming Financially Fit is um, specifically around personal finance financial literacy, savings and investing. We also throw some entrepreneurship in there as well. Um, and so getting um, on that point, um, we met back in Ohio. You're mm -hmm. originally from Ohio. So mm -hmm. we met back in Ohio at the Ohio State University. Yes. I think it's becoming a theme now. I have a lot of Ohio State people on here. <laughs> um, but we have a huge presence out here in New York. So yeah. um, we met um, back in Ohio because we were both uh, doing accounting majors. Um, so we had mm -hmm. a couple of classes together, kind of stayed in contact when we got out here as well. Um, but, uh, I want to give the people some of your background and then I'll let you get into it. So, um, you actually went to Ohio state, you got your master's at Ohio state as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so you stayed an extra year. Um, you moved to NYC. when did you move to NYC? In 2016. 2016? Yeah. Okay. I moved here in December of 2016 as well. Um, you went to the big four and now you're currently at Accenture. So, yes. um, talk about your upbringings in, from Ohio and then, um, how you got out here? Okay. So I would say from Columbus, Ohio, probably like average middle class family. Um, I think a reason that I got into like the finance space so heavily is because when I was younger, you kind of just see how money impacts your family, impacts. Um, or doesn't. Or doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but seriously, like I never saw that there was so much a difference between like how much money people make until I got to college. And I was like, oh, they have money, money. Like that's yeah. what that is. And so um, trying to like understand more about what money is, that's how I kind of majored into accounting. Little do you know that like accounting is not all about personal finance and things like that. It's not <laughs> at all. And the, and the crazy thing is like for the people who, who don't know, but accounting is mainly just analyzing businesses. Right, and companies right, right. And taxes. right. It's not about how people actually make money. Right. And even finance really isn't about how people make money. Yeah. Right? There's yeah. no, um, at least from what I went through at Ohio State, there's no personal finance no. class. No, no. There's no um, entrepreneurship 101. At least when we were going there, I yeah. think they actually built out a course they did. list for that. But it was pretty much like you're either um, an accountant mm -hmm. or you're a finance guy. Mm -hmm. You go to this corporation and you work for 40 years and yep. you're done. Yep. And that's something I've had to change my mindset around because I feel like I going through school you're taught to work for someone else yeah. all the time. And yeah. so as I get older, I'm starting to be like, okay, there's something else for me out there. Like I don't have to always just have the mindset of me working for someone else and that be like my only goal in life. So Exactly. And so um, a huge thing Ohio State does is they partner with huge companies like mm -hmm. the Big Four, especially mm -hmm. uh, the business school we went to. Yep. They partner with the Big Four and the Big Four love to recruit at a place like Ohio State because yep. all of the students try to be employees, right? Mm -hmm. They go through those four years and the one thing that they want is an offer from a big four. Mm -hmm. You got that offer, <laughs> right? But yep. you don't work for a big four anymore. I don't. So tell me about that process. Okay, so I started interning within big four my, after my freshman year. So my freshman year I had an internship. They start early. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was locked in early. I was at a PwC for two years and then I switched into banking. Mm -hmm. uh, did an internship at Wells Fargo. And then I went to EY within their consulting practice. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I kind of saw that I didn't want to go the typical audit or tax route. So yep. I switched into going into consulting, but within the financial services industry. And then 
I eventually left EY because I wanted to get more into the technology realm. Um, I feel like within consulting, a lot is switching to digital. And oh, huge. Yeah. Especially in, in banking and finance right now. Yeah, exactly. And so I wanted to kind of align myself more the t- to the technology route. And um, Accenture was there and they're leading in a lot of those areas. So it's been good. I've yeah. liked it. And so outside of work, what have you been doing um, from the time we graduated in 2015? You were 2016 after you did your master's. So yeah. what have you been doing since then? Yeah, um, I love to travel. OK. And so I always have travel is on the menu. I actually just got back from Spain a few weeks ago. OK. And so that was a lot of fun. Um, and then just in the city, enjoying life, enjoying city life. And then also there's some a little bit fun things in regards to modeling and stuff like that that's okay. out here in New York. That's been fun. All right. So now let's let's get straight into it. So <laughs> what was your base salary coming out of college with a master's and going into big four? Uh-huh. Right. And then a follow up. Were you able to negotiate that? Because that's a huge question. A lot of people yeah. have. Yeah. Um, when you're coming out of college and you're starting to get those offers. Yeah. So my base salary starting out was 70K. Mm-hmm. And that was here in New York. Yeah. Here in New York. And then my. Uh, bonus was five thousand, and that's pretty typical. Every, yeah, everybody gets a signing bonus, right? Yep, yep, yep. And so I tried to negotiate. I was like, I know that I'm supposed to negotiate. I was so nervous walking into the conversation. I probably could have went a little bit harder in regards to, to negotiating, but they didn't budge um, at all. They yeah, did. not at Be- all. <laughs> because there's so many, and they have all of the leverage, right? Because there's yeah. so many people that want those coveted um, um, opportunities at yeah. the big four that they're going to pay everybody 70 yep. or 75 yep. or 80, depending on, you know, and times progress. But you really don't get to negotiate. And yeah. a lot of people like um, in college, they were telling um, me, here's how you negotiate. You say, <laughs> wait till they give you an offer. Then you say, hey, I want this. Yeah. Um, but you really can't do that unless you have multiple offers lined up. Yeah. And even still, they're not going to budge anyways, because there's another person right behind you that mm-hmm. doesn't have the offer that they can give and that will accept at that same price. Yep. And I feel like I got my intern, I got my full-time offer right after my internship. Mm -hmm. And so then you have a shorter time period in regards to when you actually accept it. And so... Isn't it like a a week maybe? Or a week and a half? We might have got like three weeks or something. Yeah. But you don't get the opportunity to really go on campus and recruit. And so I accepted my offer right after. And so that also doesn't give you as much leeway in regards to negotiating. Would I do something different now? Probably. Mm-hmm. I probably would uh, like postpone it and then uh, reapply if I had to and just try to get more offers just to give me the opportunity to negotiate if yeah. I could do it over. And so you had your job offer. Um, when did you have your your final job offer, I would say? Um, in 2015, right after my internship. Okay. And this was before you had even gotten your master's. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And so that's how the recruiting process works. A lot of people don't know that usually um, in order to get an offer from a big four or from a, a finance, a huge bank, you have to intern with that company, mm-hmm. right? And once mm-hmm. you go through that internship process, they'll usually offer you after you complete the internship, which right. is a year to a year and a half before you even right. complete your senior year. Mm-hmm. And so when you're going through that process, did you know that you always wanted to be a consultant or you wanted to be <laughs> an accountant? Like, how did you go through that process? So I interned a lot when I was in school. Like I said, I interned since my freshman year. Mm-hmm. And so through there, I still was like, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. And yeah. one of my mentors was like, Mariah, you just have to get into something, like start somewhere. And so after going through like an accounting type of internship, then switching into banking, I kind of realized that consulting gives me like a wide breadth 
of like experiences. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like where I hit my target. Like, okay, I'm going into consulting and we'll see where it takes me. So, okay. Uh, and so having all of those internship opportunities, it kind of brings you back to how you were brought up. Mm-hmm. And so when you were growing up, did you or your family have money? Mm-hmm. And how are you um, able to financially support yourself now? Good one. Um, I would say growing up, we were probably like your average middle class family. Mm-hmm. Like out Columbus and Ohio was just a great place to raise a family. Um, so would I say all of my needs were met? Yes. Mm-hmm. Would I say the extra stuff? I always worked. So yeah. ever since I was 16, I had two jobs or something like that. So I always was used to having my own money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... So when I was interning, I usually you make a lot of money intern, to be honest. Yeah, My yeah. as a freshman, I was making seventeen dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time I was in, um, at EY in their consulting practice, I was making, I think, twenty eight dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I financed being able to um, like live in New York. I yep. lived in Chicago. I lived in Charlotte. And then um, when I was in Columbus, I lived back home. So that was the way I financed it. And then now Did you have any scholarships or anything like that. Yeah, so I am blessed. I do not owe any student loans. Neither um, do I. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is like a huge weight. I feel like getting lifted off, not having to pay that student loan debt. And mm-hmm. so, um, but I, it wasn't all through scholarships that I didn't have to pay for school. It was a mix of scholarships. I saved a lot when I was interning. Mm-hmm. And so that helped me to be able to pay for my school. And then for my master's program, I lived back at home. I did not want to. But just to be able to not have to take out loans, I kind of took that sacrifice. Did your parents tell you how to like save or invest or anything like that? Um, I would say my dad's a huge saver. Uh And so I think that's probably how I learned in regards to savings. Like I always had a little piggy bank hidden somewhere (laughs) so no (laughs) one would see. Or I always was trying to have a dollar amount in my bank account. Um, Just weird like that. But I would say my mom is definitely a spender, mm-hmm. and so I, I learned from like the spending habit from her. But then my dad's a huge, huge saver. So do you do you have any type of like budget or anything that you kind of base your monthly uh, expenses off of? Yeah, like I live off my budget. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't. Yeah. How do you set that up? So before I even came to New York, um, I set up my budget because I think a lot of people when they think about money or they even move into New York, they're like oh, well, how much is New York rent? And I think you shouldn't have that opinion. It's like, I'm willing to pay this, now where can I live? Yeah. And so that's kind of how I set my things up is like taking my salary and then all uh, potential expenses. Or honestly, I think you should think about savings first. Mm -hmm. So how much do I want to save? And then narrow that stuff down in regards to like how much am I willing to pay for rent out here? And how much do you save out here from every check or every month? Um, Is it like a percentage or do you say I want to set X dollar amount every month? Mainly probably like X dollar amount every month, Mm -hmm. to be honest. What are you you saving for? Anything in particular? I would say I save in order to reach that like six months. I would love to reach. Well, I think I've already reached about six months of your income type of thing. Mm -hmm. And an emergency fund. Emergency fund. And then next my next step, I would love to get a real estate property. So that's okay. kind of where I'm, I'm a little bit higher Here in the savings. Here in New savings. York or back in Ohio? No. So back in Columbus. Okay. Um, I was actually in real estate, so I, can, I might be able to help you out with yes, that. Yes, yes. Um, but as far as um, dealing with the high prices out here in New York, mm-hmm. how did you deal with that? Because when I came out here, it was kind of just like same thing. Like, I'm going to come out here. Uh, I'm going to make my money, right? And I'm just going to live, right? Yeah. I didn't really have a budget going into it, right? I kind of yeah. have something set up now. It's not like, bulletproof. 
Um, but I'm working. Mm-hmm. So when you think about, you know, rent, one of the huge expenses of being in Manhattan mm-hmm. um, uh, or going out and things like that. How do you deal with that? Yeah. So I live in Brooklyn, not Manhattan because of that. And then I also live deeper into Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So I live in another Crown Heights area yep. and uh, my job, I travel all the time. So there's, it takes me about an hour, hour and 15 minutes if I would go into the office, but for the most part, I'm not in the office. Mm-hmm. And so it's okay for me to an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. And for the people, um, the viewers or listeners out there, um, she's probably talking about a distance of seven miles. <laughs> <laughs> right. right? I it, know. It just takes so long because I know. we're in New York, right? I know. Because every stop. Yeah. But yeah, so I choose to live a little bit further within Brooklyn in order just to save prices. And I also have roommates. So I feel uh, like it's long. One roommate, two roommates. Two roommates. I would highly recommend having roommates if you want to save money. Yeah. Yeah. Period. Flat yeah. out. It, I don't think I'll ever get a studio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, because... Um, most studios out here are 2,500 yeah, and no. it's like a room that's probably smaller than the room we're in right mm-hmm, now, right? And mm-hmm. there's a mini fridge. Yeah. It's probably smaller than a, a college dorm room. Right. Yeah. Right? And you're probably paying 3,000 to 3,500. Yeah. And that. I have a decent space out all the way out in Brooklyn, but yeah. it's just, it's so, a lot of people don't like it because it's further out. But for me, I'm like, it's worth it because mm-hmm. I value space. And I also value like not paying so much for rent yeah. so I can be able to spend that money. I'm not even going to lie. I have a tiny apartment, but I only live like 10 minutes from the city. So yeah, must be nice. Must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now getting back to something serious, what is your mm-hmm. perspective as a successful African-American woman in corporate America? Um, perspective. Okay. So I kind of feel like for me, like success is relative. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if what is, I, what is success for you? I don't think I've reached success and I don't really know. I don't have a pinpoint to say if I reach here, like if I'm a partner at this firm, then I'm successful because I feel like I'm constantly changing. That changes with me getting older and the more information that I have. So it's very fluid. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do feel like impact is what success is. And so impact in regards to your community and who you're reaching and who you're Ah, touching. And so that's kind of like what my goal is. And so I feel like with with each leg that I'm building, like how am I impacting my community or how am I reaching back to Ohio State Mm -hmm. to help them out or some like women or minority women or creating a space for them. So that's kind of like what my goal is. Okay. And I know you're starting a platform. I do want to want to touch on that. But um, do you work with any other African-Americans? And and how, how is your kind of rapport with them? In the workplace? In the workplace. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, on my team right now, I'm the only black female. And so we do have like other uh, like black people on our team. Do you talk to them? Are you, you know, friends with them in the office? Or is it something where kind of like you just, you know, nod your head in? Or like because where I work right on my floor, um, I'm the only one on my team. Yeah. A team of like 30 people. Yeah. Right. So I can't really build that rapport with anyone. I really don't have anyone to reach out to mm-hmm. versus you said you might have some people that are in your broader team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that's understand. For me, I always have participated in like ERGs or employee resource groups. Mm-hmm. And so that's definitely how I build a lot of rapport. Um, so right now I'm our lead for our Women's History Month for a national AAERG type of thing. Okay. And so that's how I connect with other minorities and then it's always like looking out for people. Like yeah. even if it's you're walking past someone, you get a head nod. Like mm-hmm. that's just something <laughs> <laughs> that minorities do. Yeah. And so um, I'm used to it. And I feel like that's you kind of go more towards people who look like you. Mm-hmm. And then how do you guys help each other out for the long term goal? So. Okay. And at EY, 
um, I saw something that you had posted a while back about yeah. your hair. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so I want to get into that a little bit, right? Yeah. Because um, for most people, they think hair is just something that you really don't even think about. You kind of wake up, go to work, and, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's second nature. But for you, that was different, right? Yeah. Explain, you know, what your situation and, you know, how you got that platform with UI. Yeah. And so I would say... Probably from a young age, it starts in regards to sometimes feeling those insecurities in regards to your hair. So for me, at a young age, I was getting relaxers. Yeah. And and then you start to realize, like, I have these huge scabs in my hair because really a relaxer is like a cleaning product. That's how strong a relaxer is to yeah. make sure that it's straightening your hair. And so um, I started not to get relaxers anymore. I think back in high school and then in college, I started playing around with, like, not actually straightening my hair. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then when I would go to like I had an internship and I remember one of my managers would constantly c- uh, comment in regards to like how my hair is. And so at the end of it, I'm like, you know, you commented so much. Like, what do you think about my hair? And he said, well, I feel like when you walked in a room, my clients wouldn't understand you. But wow. once you started speaking, all that would go away because you know what you're talking about. Yeah. And to be so young and for someone to tell you that something like your hair would make people not understand you. Your it's natural like, hair. yeah, your natural hair. I'm like, wow, like, what am I doing? You know? Yeah. And so then that following year when I had an internship, I like had to sew in a weave and I was just hiding my hair. And I was like, no, when I start full time, like, I don't want to do that. But it was such a hard decision. Like people don't understand how much mentally like taxing mm-hmm. that is to go through. Like, how should I wear my hair today? How should I wear it this morning? How are people going to react to me? Everything. And so when I was at EY, we had the opportunity to do a thing called My Hair Story. And so it was just taking a lot of black women and we kind of just talked about our experiences with our hair and shared some of our stories. And so I posted it on LinkedIn yeah. and then it just went crazy. That, that, I think that's how I originally saw it. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people were like, I know what you're talking about. I saw someone at a happy hour and she's like, your video helped me to like be able to have the confidence to wear my hair naturally. And then now, um, and there's always comments, but now I kind of feel like it's it's like my job to be my authentic self. And whether that's like my hair, like right now I have twists and I came into work. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about like, oh, are they going to say anything? But actually, like my client and my team is like, I like it. I'm like, OK, cool, cool. Yeah. But people even saying things like I like your hair or um, like if something changes, like, oh, I like it. It helps you so much to be like, OK, I'm OK in the workplace because majority of the times I'm the only one mm-hmm. and you try not to be different and when hair makes you different and so different that people think that you're not um, capable of doing the job I feel like that's when it's a problem definitely and so I want to get your reaction to this so um, I was doing some research and I found a survey um, or a study that was conducted by the National Partnership for Women and Families and they said that women in uh, African-American women in NYC make 63 cents for every dollar for their male, um, not Hispanic white counterparts. Mm-hmm. What's your reaction to that? Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think for like women in general, I think I saw a stat that it's more like 80, 80 cents per dollar. Yeah. Um, so like that difference is huge. Yeah. And for me, I've always known that that was something that's going to happen. I know that there's the potential for me to make less, but that's why when it comes to my performance, like I don't play. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I have all my stats down when it comes to performance. I think uh, making sure that you're a high performer, but also understanding how you are in the market, mm-hmm. like not being afraid to go out there and recruit to just understand what your number is. 
and how much people are willing to uh, go for you. But also understanding your stats is so important when you're in the job. So mm-hmm. you should know everything about yourself more than anyone can ever tell you. So when it comes to things like pay, you're able to like quantify like, no, I deserve this because of X, Y, Z. I brought this much dollars to the job. Like these are the requirements. These are the things that I've done. And you need to be able to like lay that out. And have that open conversation yeah. because no one's going to fight for you but yourself. Yeah. Like yeah. When, when you get in those situations, when comp time comes around, right, you have to be able to lay out exactly what you did, yep. what value you added, because once again, it's a business, right? Yep. So they can say, hey, you know what? Your performance was great, but you didn't bring money into the firm, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have those real conversations. So yeah. that's why it's good to hear you say that throughout the year, because you usually have an annual review, right? Mm-hmm. You're taking down things that you did yeah. where you added value. Yeah. I started now. Yeah. Like I, I started I well. it a few weeks ago and we don't even have performance reviews until July. Yeah. And I'm like, no. Because everything that I do, not saying like you're like a robot and you're so calculated, but like, no, I'm going to know the impact I made. I'm going to know the dollars amounts that each project that I'm on. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to know how I stand in relationship to my peers to so I can have those stats when uh, once performance time comes. Yeah. And there are a lot of resources out there. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, besides having these open conversations, what you can start up by doing is going to something like a Glassdoor mm-hmm. or Indeed. Or mm-hmm. I think LinkedIn has it now where you can mm-hmm. actually see yeah. if you type in your company and your kind of role, you yeah. can see what you should be making. Yeah. LinkedIn just started it. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. But you should only use that as a starting point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because there is a lot of leeway into that number. Right. And so when you go into a comp conversation, how is that for you? Do you know exactly what that number should be? Or are you saying, I kind of know a range and I want to be at the top tier of that range? Yeah, I think it's more of a range. Um, and I think I you get a lot from talking to your peers. Yeah. I think your friends and the people that you have around you are the best resource to be able to use. Mm-hmm. And you also, I heard this uh, statistic. I went to a women's event. It's not a statistic, but <laughs> I went to a women's event and she said that she used to just ask other women mm-hmm. how much should she make. Yeah. And then she found out that she was making way less than men. Yeah. And so it's like making sure that you're expanding that group. So I'm a black woman. Like I need to also be talking to white men and say, how much are you making? Yeah. And then that's helping me compare, like, am I in a reasonable spot right now? And see, that's the crazy thing because, and, and that's why I created this platform. I flat out ask people, how much do you make <laughs> in each progression of your career, yeah. right? Because that information is really not out there, right? Yeah. And so when I, you know, ask people these things and some people are like, uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> right? Because that's usually not a question you ask, but yeah. it's good to hear you're actually going out and having those conversations. Like, you know what? We work on the same, you know, tier, right? We're mm-hmm. in the same rank or something like that. How much do you make, right? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you might be making the same, you might be making way more than them, but that's a good benchmark for them. Yeah, yeah. Right? And not everyone is open. Like people are oh, so awkward. <laughs> yeah, and and for the, the viewers out there, the listeners, I actually ask these questions up front and say, hey, I'm going to ask you yeah. about your salary. <laughs> so don't, don't come up I know, here. I was yeah. going to be like, in my business. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but I think we need to have these open conversations yeah. because um, going from people being in, in PR or uh, in consulting, or I, I had a guy that was uh, here in the diamond business, mm-hmm. everybody makes, and this is crazy, the amount of money each person makes is completely different. Yeah. Right? yeah. And it all depends on your craft. Mm-hmm. And that starts in college. Mm-hmm. I agree. But it's not the end of the story. It's not. I know. That was hard for me because I was in accounting and then wanting to switch to technology. I felt like I constantly had to prove myself to be like, okay, I will learn the different things I need to learn. But 
um, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of it's a lot of that. How did you make that transition from accounting? Because a lot I'm, I myself made that transition from public accounting um, into something else. Mm-hmm. How did you make your transition? Mm-hmm. Um, For the accountants out there that are just about to get busy <laughs> season. Um, and they're, you know, uh, two to three years in. Yeah. So I actually didn't start within accounting. I started within consulting. Mm-hmm. And so that's some things I tell a lot of the younger students that are going into is if you want to go into consulting or if you want something else, fight for it. Yeah. Like, do not go into something just because you think that, oh, I have to do this or I or have to do that. Yeah. Like what your major is. And I did have to go back and forth with a lot of recruiters and they're like, oh, I think you should go into order. Oh, I think you should go into tax. I'm like, well, this opportunity is not for me. Thank you. You know, (laughs) you have to have the confidence within yourself to be able to do that. And so, um, yeah, so I I fought for that consulting right after undergrad. And then um, just because I had an accounting background, people still try to put you into more of I was in financial services. So like risk or Mm -hmm. finance or those type of roles. And I just had to be like, no, like mm-hmm. I'm a high performer and these are what my interest is. So how do we start to align me more towards Definitely. this in the area of technology? And then it was really random that the opportunity at Accenture came. And then I think it was perfect in regards to being a part of their technology advisory practice. Mm-hmm. And then you just continue to build. And if you're willing to learn, I think that's the best thing. It doesn't matter about what your degree is. You have is. to be willing, willing to learn every yeah. day from anyone, yeah. right? It can't yeah. just be your boss or your mentor. Yeah. It could be anyone. It could be your clients, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your peers. Yeah. Yeah. So I learned a lot from my clients. I've, I learned so much all the time. That's why I like consulting. But um, making this switch is hard because people don't think you can do it just because of a major. And it's like, I am more than, than what my major <laughs> was, you know? Exactly so, right. Exactly know. right. So now getting back into it, um, talk to me about Mariah's Monday morning motivation. Yes. M, 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 M. No, but it's a quote and it's a motivational message that I send to like my friends, colleagues, mentors, um, a lot of different people. Um, every single Monday at exactly 8.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of got the idea from one of the old CEOs that I had at Wells Fargo. Every single day, he sent a quote and then like a PS like type of motivational message to his employees. And I kind of saw the connection that they had with him without even knowing who he was. Yeah. And uh, so at my internship, I asked him, I was like, hey, um, thank you. Towards the innocent. you said the CEO? The CEO of... of- not Wells Fargo, but of Capital Finance. Yeah, yeah. And that was a group I was in. And so I reached out to him like, hey, I just wanted to say thank you for the quotes. Like, I really enjoyed it throughout my internship. I saved them in a folder, like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he wrote me back five minutes later and was like, thank you for writing me. Um, send me your email address and I will add you to these quotes even while you're in school. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, CEO <laughs> wrote me back. What is yeah. this? And so um, I was like, I'm going to add you on LinkedIn. He, mm-hmm. We're friends on LinkedIn now. He like looked at my profile. And so I used to always think when I become CEO, when I get a team, like I'm going to do something like that. And then one day I was like, why do I have to wait? Why do you have to wait? Yeah, right? like, You're your own boss. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't have to wait to become CEO. And I just started it. And then a lot of people like kind of write me on social media or post it on social some type of way. So it's been fun. It's, I like, I enjoy sending it out to people. Okay. And how can I get involved with that? Cause I'm not on the list. <laughs> I'm not on the email list, right? I'll <laughs> add you to my list, sir. Super your email. Okay. Um, all right. And so now you talked about being a CEO uh-huh. and that means you're the boss of a company. Yes. It doesn't have to be a, a current company that you work for. Mm-hmm. So, so where do you see yourself 
um, in the course of, let's say, the next five, 10 years, mm-hmm. you see yourself, you know, continually to work in corporate America. Mm-hmm. Do you want to start something yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you have to stop working in corporate America to be able to start something yourself. And so that's one of my interests right now is like I'm really interested in real estate. So it's like, how do I invest back home mm-hmm. in Columbus? That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Um, so whether it's like a multifamily, like my what I see myself as owning like multiple buildings. Oh, of course. And um, also having multiple companies that are under my name and like like Mariah Scott Enterprises or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like that's kind of like what I see myself doing. And so. Um, starting what I know, and I think uh, I know the Columbus area to be able to start the real estate side of things. And as you continuously meet people, find out new business ventures, it's kind of what I want to do. So you want to be um, uh, into a little bit of everything. Yeah. Do you want to actually go to work every day or do you (laughs) want to work for yourself? Um, Long term? Yeah. I would say work for myself. Okay. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Um... I don't know. Because there are a lot of people that love waking up. There is. They work their eight hours. They get their pension, their benefits for the family, and they go home. They have a weekend. They might get a couple, you know, good vacations every year. And they're fine with that for 40 straight years. Mm -hmm. Me personally, I'm not. Yeah. Could you see yourself doing that for the next 40, 45 years? Not really, because I just always have so many ideas. Yeah. And um, I know that I'm a leader. I feel like when I'm a part of organizations, like it's always me becoming some type of leader of something. And so I know that I have the ability to, and it's like, why don't I just explore it? Like, why don't I take some of these ideas and actually put them to paper mm-hmm. or like actually bring something to life? And so that's why I don't, I don't really see me working a nine to five forever. Um, just because I view myself as somebody that's creative and yeah. I want to do something with it. Exactly. And on that point, you're actually starting up a platform for mm-hmm. my minority women to discuss personal finance and other topics like that. Yeah. Talk yeah. about that a little bit. <laughs> so it hasn't started yet. I haven't really um, did a launch of anything, but the name is Eve Jean. And so it's just um, around the lines of just talking about like money, finance, but also like faith and things like that and how all those things all work together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think men talk about money a lot. Like when I hear Definitely. people, they talk about potential investments like, oh, hey, um, this is IPOing, like, let's get in, or hey. I, I talk to my friends all the time about different investments, yeah. different savings accounts where they yeah. get money, yeah. you know, things that I'm invested in, real estate. Like, I've done deals with my friends, yeah. which um, I wouldn't recommend unless you are <laughs> really good friends with them, yeah. right? I've had some great experiences just because, like, I'm super honest with yeah. my friends, and they're super honest with me. Mm-hmm. So if I'm doing something wrong, they let me know. If they're doing something wrong, I'll let them know. Mm-hmm. But the first thing I would say is just having that open conversation, right? Yeah. Being yeah. able to say, hey this is a great savings account, you should get into it. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like women have that conversation enough. And I feel like my group of friends, like we're all in very good careers, mm-hmm. different types of industries, everything, but not everyone is having that conversation of how do we actually build wealth. Yeah. And I think sometimes the idea is just like a man is going to be the one that takes care of the money. And for me, it's like, no, like we can, yeah. and we can start our own stuff and we can build this together. We could buy a house before we have a man, before we have our husband, exactly. before we have the family, like let's start building now. Yeah. So and there's really nothing in your way besides yeah. taking that first step. right? Yeah. And you're doing that right now because like you already said, you're looking into real estate. Yeah. Um, I would recommend if you're doing something back home, hire a great property manager Yes, because I've been through the process and it's a lot of work. Yeah. A lot of people think that um, real estate is passive income, but it's not, mm-hmm. right? 
even if you have a property manager set up, you're still going to have to answer the call and handle things. Mm -hmm. If the roof is leaking, um, if there's water in the basement, these mm -hmm. are all things that happened to me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so these are things I had to fix. And I was getting calls in the middle of my actual job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So even though people think it's passive, it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, some things that are passive, though, are investments in stocks mm -hmm. um, or uh, bonds. Mm -hmm. um, right. Do you have any of those investments? Yeah, so I'm actively invested in my 401k uh, to my company's match. Um, I have like my Roth IRA set up, and that's where I do a lot of like mutual funds, et cetera. Yeah. Um, participate in my HSA. Um, I do very little single stocks. Um, really? Why is that? I don't know. I'm not there yet. I need to do a, so a little bit more research um, to get more into single stocks. I'll, I'm a lot into mutual funds. Yeah. And I was reading, I guess it's like a woman thing sometimes is to get more into like um, I, I mutual funds. I think that's funds. in everybody. A, a lot of people don't want to put all their eggs in one basket yeah. and lose their money. Yeah. With mutual funds, it's diversified for you. Mm -hmm. But because of that, you pay a fee. Yeah. They take a certain percentage of your money, even though it's low, it eats away from your money that you earned, right? Mm -hmm. And so just picking a stock. I mean, name a couple companies that you that you think about. Every day. You have an iPhone. Amazon, Apple. Exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. Those should be companies and that I would recommend to say, hey, like, yeah. you have an iPhone. Why don't you invest in Apple? They pay a dividend, right? They'll pay you money to buy their stock. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And so that's kind of like what the next phase of things is getting more into single stocks um, and trying to understand more about that as well as getting into the real estate space. So I feel like you have to choose. You have to pick and choose. Yeah, uh, it, it's hard. To, it's hard to put all of your effort and energy into a bunch of different things. Yeah, Very. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so on that same topic. Um, so we know you invest. Yeah. Um, do you save, and budget, and how do you go through that process? Yeah. So for me, it's like a yearly thing. Mm -hmm. And so about the time where my income is going to switch, like uh, performance stuff happens. So yep. that's kind of the time where I switch my budget. Uh, but it takes a long time. I invest a really good amount of time in making my budget. Mm -hmm. And so I do it by the year. Um, really? Yeah. Is it um, so you do it once a year, month by month or week by week? or? Right. So the full plan is by the year and then I budget once a month. So I'm kind of like OCD. Like I know everything that's coming in and out. Mm -hmm. And so I write down all my expenses. That's like, huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To actually know, because a lot of people know how they're getting money, yeah. where money's coming in, but they don't know where money's going out. Yeah. I actually went through that process of writing down my expenses for a month, and I learned that I spent, I want to say, $500 on Uber. Really? In one month. Oh, no. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so now I only use Uber on Saturdays. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. No, but you don't know until you actually write things down. So I'm, for ever since I've lived in New York, mm -hmm. I have all of my expenses written down and they're also like categorized that's out. one of the keys to success i would yeah, say definitely yeah yeah and now so we talked about investing saving mm -hmm. budgeting those are all great things mm -hmm. now do you have any debt i don't zero debt zero debt i pay off my credit cards on time um i, I don't know i just don't believe in like buying things that you don't have the money for and so if i don't have the money for it right now I'm not gonna see me buy it how'd you build that this point Maybe when I was younger, yeah. Um, I don't think that debt is bad. Like that's not a bad thing. But I just know that 
I don't know. Sometimes I think about if I ever failed or if I ever needed a large lump of sum of money, I don't have anyone to ask for help. Yeah. <laughs> like it's on me. Mm-hmm. And so even when I was in college, like thinking about paying for college, I'm like, I am the only person that is going to be able to pay these bills. My parents are not paying a dollar <laughs> of my college bills. Like yeah. I have two other brothers too. Yeah. And so it's like, I learned that discipline when I was in college, making sure that I was able to pay for all my expenses. And then Mm -hmm. as I just came to New York, I just continued on those same, like that same discipline, understanding that if something happened with me or something happened in my apartment or I lost a job or something like that, my parents would not be able to afford to help keep me living here. And you don't want to go back because of that. You want to be able to be stable for three months to six months because that's usually how long it takes to transition from um, a hardship into something, you know, else, right? Yeah. And I don't want to feel as if I'm locked down into anything because I'm so scared to leave because of money. Mm -hmm. Like I want to have the freedom to say, if I don't like this, like I'm gone tomorrow. Yeah. And a lot of people don't have that freedom, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's why people get into, I call it the scheme of Mm -hmm. working for a company because they build up debt through a mortgage, through credit cards, through a car loan, Mm -hmm. through circumstances like having a family. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying it's bad, but that comes up, right? And you have a lot of obligations. So you're not really getting that huge salary that you think you are that we make out here in New York, Mm -hmm. right? It's going to those obligations first and foremost before anything else, yeah, right? And so you don't have that. No. So now you can look at the world in a different lens and you can say, hey, you know what? I want to do this or I don't want to do this. Yeah. And some people, they just get the wrong idea because I travel a lot. and They're like, oh, you must be making X. And it's like, no, I just I budget for it. Like, <laughs> yeah. like a lot of people want to take trips all the time. Like me, if I don't know within that time that I'm planning my budget out for the year yeah. that I'm going on this trip, I'm probably not going to go. Mm-hmm. But I also work into consulting. So I'm traveling a lot and I build up so many points. So my flight to Spain was free. My yep. flight to Hawaii I'm going on is free. Like My stay is going to be free. And mm-hmm. so those type of things help me to have a life that I want to live without having to pay so much for it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And and people ask me that too. Like, Hey, you travel, like you were here, you were there. Like, how do you do that? And it's because like you said, you're, you're better for those things. If I I know that during this summer, I want to travel to, let's say Italy, I'm going to start planning for it now. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to start setting aside money right now Mm -hmm. because I know when it comes up, I don't want to have to come out of pocket anything. I want to have that set aside. So when I go over there, I can have the time that I want. Yeah. Not based off of, I only have X amount of dollars, right? It's I set this money aside, so I'm going to have a great time. That's how I am. I'm like, I'm not having a boring trip. If yeah. I'm going somewhere, we're going to have a good time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I and I think of it as, you know what? If I'm going to spend my money on something, it better be what I want. Yeah. Right? It shouldn't be something second rate because I can't afford it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but just growing up, is that something that your parents instilled in you? Like, hey, you have to be an independent person mm-hmm. and you have to be able to support yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, when I turned 16, I had two jobs. I was working at Culver's and I was working at Cold Stone. And so by the time I actually got into college, I had had five jobs. I was Culver's, Cold Stone, I was at Verizon, I was at TJ Maxx, I was at Gilly Hicks Home Office. (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) so I always like had a job and was really trying to make myself be independent from then. And then when I got into college, I had a job. I made sure that I was interning every single summer, Mm -hmm. saving that money because... I don't know. I guess I was always like, if I want it, I want to buy it. And so I think it probably started if my parents probably told me no once. I'm like, I'm going to buy this myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things I always had with my dad. Um, Anything I want, I could get. Yeah. But I had to pay half of it. 
Mm. No matter what. Mm. That's a good way. And I, and that was kind of good for me because there was a lot of things that I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> right. I wanted cleats. I wanted uh, a video game or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he said he'll match me up to 50 percent. Mm. Right. And so that's always been, you know, one of my things. I, I would say, you know, you have to find someone that's going to meet you halfway. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Even though you, you say you can do a lot. Right. Sometimes it's not really the case. Yeah. So having that support and that's kind of how I kind of start learning about, OK, now, if I need to get that 50 percent, how do I get it? Mm-hmm. Do I get a job? Do I save? Mm-hmm. You know, because I didn't really get an allowance or anything like that. Yeah, so I kind of had to hustle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so what are your, what are some of your side hustles out here in New York? Um, so I've done a little bit of modeling, just like things that have came together. And that brings you in some money. Like mm-hmm. if you do fit modeling, someone would pay you like forty dollars an hour. Forty dollars an yeah, hour for yeah. fit modeling. So just try on clothes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so the girl upstairs, I was getting out the elevator and she's like, do you model? I'm like, oh, you know, not really. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my friend is like, yes, she does. Yes, she does. And then, um, but yeah, $40 an hour is just like, I went upstairs. Can I sign up? One more floor. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I went upstairs, one floor up and then $40 an hour. She used to ask me to do it all the time. And I was like, this is nice. Wow. Or like a random like photo shoot came up. It was like $100 for hours of my time. I was like, this is cool. So I haven't pursued a lot, but I am kind of interested in seeing like how more could go if I actually put some more energy into things like that. And then I don't really have a side hustle. What do you do with your spare time? Besides budgeting, (laughs) besides traveling. (laughs) No, but like spending time with my friends, like there's so much of a like OSU presence out here. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a huge Ohio State presence out here. Huge, huge, huge. So we're always having something. The city is always having something. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm always traveling somewhere, having something on my list to go to. So that's where a lot of my time gets taken up. Okay. Um, And getting back into a little bit more formal, um, a topic about networking. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I think you're great at it, <laughs> but a lot of people try to network just to um, get to their next role or yeah. network to get to a different social class. What do you use networking for and how should it be used in your opinion? Yeah, I think it's all about relationship building. Mm-hmm. And so finding some type of commonality that you guys have. But I think the biggest thing that a lot of people get wrong with networking is that it's a mutual relationship. Yeah, And understanding that you... For one, as a younger person trying to get someone else's attention, like you have to put in the work. Very. <laughs> like, yeah, very. Yeah. If someone doesn't contact you back, write them again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if someone does, um, like you need something from someone, like continuously make sure that you're following up, but then also add value to them. Like, hey, I saw this article. I think it made me think about Simple you. Simple things you can do. Exactly. And that's what, I, that's what I do. Like, Hey, I saw this. It made me think about you. Like, here you go. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, there's this program going on. I would like to feature you. Yeah. Like, I do a lot of women's events, like I was mentioning, at Accenture. And so a lot of the people that I like, I was like, hey, why don't you be featured on a newsletter I have? So then they were thinking about me in regards to, like, networking. But yeah. I definitely think it's a mutual relationship. And if you're the one trying to make the connection, you have to put in majority of the work exactly uh, to make sure the relationship stays. And in my experience is... Even if you want a great mentor, sometimes it doesn't work, right? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, like, as much as you want to send them an email or shoot them an article, sometimes people, like, are just not going to be compatible <laughs> with you, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So I've had to understand that, like, sometimes, you know, you can will it to happen, but then other times it kind of has to happen organically, mm-hmm. right? Because, some, I mean, that's all relationships, in my opinion. Yeah. Or people are too busy, and it's like, okay, maybe now is not a good time, but you can contact them in a few months, and everything will be okay, but, like, just don't become a person that's like, hey, yeah. oh, my gosh, I had that on LinkedIn one time. Like, someone <laughs> just 
contact me every day. Like, how are you doing? Like, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not like that. Exactly. No, I've had the same thing where, um, and this has come from people that are in undergrad at uh, yeah. Ohio State. And it might just be because why I'm working right now, but they reach out and say, hey, like, um, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then they'll say, hey, like, um, do you know anybody in this group? Or can you int- introduce me to this person? And I don't think that's what networking should be. No. It should be building that relationship. And then me saying, you know what? I like this person. I'm going to introduce you to yeah. some of the people that I work with on my floor. Maybe have a conversation with this person. I'll let them know ahead yeah. of time. Right. Or people with status. And I'm like, ah, I don't know you enough yeah. to really introduce you to this person. Like we have to, we have to build that rapport. And yeah, I do agree. People come into it with the wrong mindset of just, Hey, can you help me here? And it should be like, Hey, this is who I am. This mm-hmm. is this. And then you continue with that follow up and relationship building. It's not, it's not immediate. It takes a lot of time. Sometimes years. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, and so the people around you are a huge part of either your success or your failure. Yeah. Um, and so who are some of the closer people around you that kind of push you to do um, what you do today? Um, it could be family. Um, it could be friends or it could be outside influences. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like definitely my parents are the ones that know everything that I'm doing, but they're always going to be like, yeah, go ahead. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> um, but I do have a really good circle. Like, my friends I grew up in high school, they're still my same friends. Mm-hmm. Like we're all in different industries and we're all doing, we all went to different colleges, everything, but they're still like my main crew. Mm-hmm. And so they're the people that push me, but it's just different groups. Like every group that I'm a part of, there's probably a good relationship that I built. Management, leadership for tomorrow, having those set of friends, MLT. Um, Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. yeah I want to I talk about the MLT <laughs> program. It's, at, it's hosted at Yale. Oh, okay. So MLT is Management Leadership for Tomorrow. Yeah. And so that is a program that I, they have a career prep program and an MBA program. I was a part of career prep. Um, your junior year, you it's like 300 or 250 minority students come together for four different seminars, individualized coaching. And then you have all these companies like coming there trying to recruit you and you're like the first pool of people getting recruited. Yeah. Um, but that is just a crazy network that I have met of friends and people that I can go to and talk to and ask to for help. So I love the MLT program. They've helped like expand my mind beyond like I was so big for yeah. like that was the only thing I knew. And then I got into MLT. I'm like, oh, wait, what is investment banking? Yeah. Like, what is these type of fields? What is this? What is this? And so expanding my mind in regards to what I can even do and then uh, just exploring the world and meeting people from all different schools. I think I could go to any city and probably have a friend from MLT that I could call wow. on for help. And that's great to have that yeah. great network where you can, like you said, you travel a lot. You can call yeah. someone and say, hey, let's go get dinner. Yeah. Or, hey, I'm going to be in town for the weekend. Let's link up. Yeah, because like in consulting, I travel so much and like yep. all the cities I've gone to, I at least know one person I feel like that I can grab dinner with. So mm-hmm. that's nice. The Yale program you're referring to is the an emerging leaders program that yeah. I had attended. Yep. And so that was like a two-day conference where uh, people from all your actually in industry so you work for I think two to three years Mm -hmm. and then you all come together and it's kind of more of like a probably more of a recruiting thing in regards to like getting you into b-school yeah do you want to do something like b-school in the future (laughs) is is that in your uh in your mindset and your your yeah so I used to be like so team b-school like that's what I'm doing I know I for sure want to go into it and then now as I'm like continuing I'm 26 like things like that um not as much not right now yeah. Um, I think there's some things I want to explore within myself. And mm-hmm. then once I figure that out, maybe. Um, okay. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about B school, but then I kind of thought to myself, like, what can it do for me? 
Yeah. It's going to help me build a great network. I'm going to meet a lot of great people. But as far as business-wise, like I started my first business in college. Yeah. It was successful. Um, I'm in real, uh, real estate. I do investments. So mm-hmm. what can it really bring to me besides getting me a great job on Wall Street? Yeah. And for me, it really didn't add that much value. So I don't I don't think I'm going to pursue B-School. <laughs> I'm probably going to start, you know, to invest heavily into the businesses that I have or the investments yeah. that I'm doing right now, because I think that's going to pay off more for me. In yeah. the long run. It's a hard decision because hard. you see like me, I see so many of my peers going for it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, should I be is that what I should be doing? Like in the future, am I going to regret this decision that I didn't go and do B-School? But I don't know. I think you just have to end up taking taking a chance and going with what you believe with and mm-hmm. what your heart's telling you. No regrets, right? Yeah. And right now, my heart's telling me no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before I let you get out of here, um, I want you to give me some of your 2020 goals uh, now that we're at the beginning of the year and also uh, talk about your five-year plan. Okay. 2020 goals. Um, well, it's more just around like words. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like my overall 2020 word is clarity, like receiving clarity in regards to what I'm going to do, why am I here, et cetera. Um, like, but beneath that is um, like relationships, mm-hmm. making sure I'm being intentional with what I'm doing, and then execution of my ideas. And wow. So, yeah. I've never heard it put that way. Yeah. And what about your five-year plan? Five-year plan? I don't know if I have it written out in regards to my five-year plan. Just being real. Yeah. Um, because I feel like even me being into the working world for three to four years, I've grown and changed who I am so much and yeah. what I Just want in, a in life. Just a couple of years. Yeah. And so I don't have that whole five-year plan planned out. Um, but I know that um, I will continue to have a vision, continue to move forward towards something. But no, I don't have the five-year plan. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mariah, thank you for being on Money Talks, the podcast. Thank you. Um, before we get out of here, um, I want you to give some of your socials uh, so people can reach out to you if they want to. Yes. So Instagram is M-A underscore R-Y-Y underscore U-A. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a little annoying, uh, but also like on LinkedIn, um, if you want to reach out there, Mariah Scott. Okay. And that was uh, season one, episode four of Money Talks, the podcast. Mariah, thank you for being on the show. Yes. Thank you for having me. All right.